morning. Whoa, that's hot. Good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Glad you made it. Happy Grandparents' Day. It's Grandparents' Day. Anyway, if you're a grandparent, good job. If you have a grandparent, wish them a happy Grandparents' Day sometime today. Um, there's some stuff on the order of worship, the, uh, the bulletin thing. Operation Christmas Child's coming up. Deacon's Fund, September 18th. Um, senior Care Options, Wednesday, September 28th. And then this Boy Scout Troop 339, that's the troop that's been meeting here for a long, long time. They're doing In Our Sanctuary on two Saturdays from now, September 24th at 2 p.m. It's, uh, I guess, she, she comes highly recommended. It's the Michigan, University of Michigan alumni is bringing in this big speaker. Um, and check it out. It's about how to speak correctly to the generations that are coming up and um, how to cross that bridge and do it with love and care. So if anybody wants, and I think there's food involved, so if anybody wants uh, to be equipped a little more in that area and um, get fed. I got one more announcement. One of them is, oh yeah, today's September 11th. Um, where were you? My wife and I were waking up and uh, we were newlyweds. We'd just been married right here. And this is 01, rolled around September. She was teaching in Garden Grove. I don't know, she was driving. She was listening to the fish radio station. And she called me, and I remember turning on the television and witnessing something. It looked like a movie. It looked like something Jerry Brockheimer had put together. And uh, turns out, we didn't know this, but two years later, we'd be moving to the East Coast, and I'd be the youth pastor. Um, and I had four kids in my youth group in Summit, New Jersey, that had lost both parents that day. Um, so, remember, right? Um, let's stand for this call to worship. And it's interesting. Uh, the lectionary text is Psalm 51. And so, the lectionary knew that we'd kind of be starting off on a somber and broken note because if anybody doesn't remember Psalm 51 was written by David just after he had cheated on his wife and murdered that woman's husband and Nathan had called him out and said you're going the wrong way and he wrote this psalm probably on the worst day of his life And that ties into our sermon because we find out Moses wasn't all clean and cut. But listen to this. or Let's enter into worship with these words in mind. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Let my passion for life be restored. 
tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Let's worship the Lord. Please be seated and send the children and youth forward. That working? Oh, yes, that is working, isn't it? Good. Everybody gets a seashell. Now, you're not finished. Come on up here. Thank you. I want you to go hand these out. Pass that down the road and make sure that all those seashells are gone before you come back, okay? Mach schnell, mine, yeah? Make it quick. Andale. Let's pass it down. Everybody take a seashell. Well, you don't think you're sitting down yet? Yeah, you can't go ahead. Sorry. I mean to scare you. I'm not the principal, okay? You know, you guys, I remember when I was her age. And when you're my age, which is, well, old enough to remember why. Oh, you got the nicest one. Good for you. And uh, are the seashells gone yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. 
well, mode of anticipation. Somebody asked me why I brought an umbrella. Well, I washed my car yesterday, so that means it's going to rain. <laughs> but I actually have another reason. Are they gone yet? Getting close? Okay, well, I'm going to proceed anyway. So, by a raise of hand, who knows what a church is? Okay. Let's go with you, because you never brought your dog for the collar. Okay, so what's a church? It's where you praise God. Okay, what's a church? The people. Oh, bingo. Church. Where two or more people meet. Oh, you've, you've won all, all, the, all the stuff. Church. What's a church? Place where we come to worship. Marshall, what's a church? All my lines are gone now. That's how it works. <laughs> so here's the point. That seashell, how many have been to the tide pools and collected shells and so on? Raise your hand if you haven't gone. <laughs> so let me explain something. That seashell you think is an animal. It's not. That's where the animal lives. Without, that, without the animal, that is just an empty piece of stuff, right? This building, this is not the church. Stand up, young lady. Come here, Spike. You're good again. Come on down here. Right here, right here. Let me watch. Watch, watch this. Now, if you're superstitious, this is bad, bad karma, but that's okay. Right here. Come on underneath here with me. Wherever two or you have gathered in my name, this is a church. We are a church. We are the church. That seashell is just a dead, empty thing without life in it. We are the life. There's a breath that came into us, into our envelope and created life. This building is an empty seashell. Wherever two of you, you can sit down. I didn't mean to embarrass you, but wherever two of you, stand up. You have a hard time standing up. It's okay. Stand up, wild man. Oh, dog off a leash. Okay. Anyway, so that's the point. Marsha can attest, if you're under a mimosa tree, which is a tree that grows in Africa and Texas... It's a church, wherever two of you are gathered in my name. So when you hold that seashell, remember, it's not this shell. It's what's inside of it. And wherever that little creature that was inside of it, that's where the life is. And that's it. So that's what a church is. We are the church. So let's give thanks. Dear Lord God in heaven, you know I pray with my eyes open, so here we go. Thank you for these young people. Thank you for the... Being in first grade or being a a Ph.D. student is exactly the same. It's hard work. It's learning. Thank you for the loving parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents and neighbors that come here and and care for these young people enough to bring them so they can learn that life is a wonderful thing with you in it. And I give thanks in the name of Jesus, your Son, the risen Lord. Amen. the day, before the light, before the world revolved around the sun, God on high stepped down into time and wrote the story of his love for everyone. 
He has filled our hearts with wonder So that we always remember You and I are made to worship You and I are called to love You and I are forgiven and free You and I embrace the wonder What a beautiful name it is. 
What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Didn't want heaven without us. Jesus, you brought heaven down. Your sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of
can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a are people born of water and the Spirit. We have made promises to be Christ's faithful disciples and to show his love to our life's end. Although we fail to fulfill those baptismal vows, God's faithful love endures forever. Confident of God's grace, let us confess our sins and the sins of the world. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the good news. As people born of water and the Spirit, we have died to the old life, and a new life has begun. God's grace is poured out upon us, day by day. Remember your baptism. Be thankful and live as one who has been raised to new life. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Would you please stand?
beautiful gift. Before I even get to my sermon, that's just everywhere you, you, while that music was playing, you could just feel the spirit knitting broken parts of yourself back together. Amen. Do you know since the invention of the television, the most racially diverse audience uh, show ever uh, is? 60 minutes? Nope. <laughs> it's American Idol. Music, man. It unites. Right? Let's see if I can preach. Let me pray. God, I just pray that you would collect my thoughts and may your thoughts be my thoughts. Use my mouth as a mouthpiece for you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church, which really is the people. And all God's people said, we started a series on Moses last week, and as we look at this man more and more, and the way that God used this man, there's some really important lessons, and I think... This morning is no exception. We're looking at Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinsfolk. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. But some shepherds came and drove them away. Moses got up and came to their defense and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Raul, he said, How is it you have come back so soon today? They said, an Egyptian helped us against the shepherds. He drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, where is he? Why did you leave the man? Invite him to break bread. Moses agreed to stay with the man and gave Moses, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage. She bore a son, and he named him Gershom. For he said, 
I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. This is the word of the Lord. First, we, we meet a Moses that stands against injustice. He walks out and he and notice his people. Moses is looking out on his people. He still identifies as a Hebrew person, as a Jew. He's walking out and he sees an Egyptian beaten on a, uh, a, a Jewish man. He looks this way, looks that, murders him, buries him in the sand. Like I said, we're dipping into troubled waters, right? Isn't Moses the hero of the Hebrew nation? Isn't Moses the precursor to Jesus that we talked about last week? How he was looking back, he was pointing back to the ark, and he was pointing forward to every man. We'll pause and we'll come back to that. Because we're going we're gonna to cruise through the story and then we're going to peel it back a little and ask what is God teaching us about ourselves and what is God teaching about himself in this text. Because who's the main character of the Bible? Jesus. Yeah. God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God. Um, so... And I love the Old Testament. It tells it how it is, not how it's supposed to be, right? It tells it this is, this is, this is a hero, or this is a, a man that I can identify with. He stands up against wrong, and he's kind of rash, and he is kind of intense. And we get these snapshots, but in the midst of it, we also get these snapshots of how God is going to make him into an amazing man um, for his people. So we first meet... Um, Moses, he kills somebody. Even before we hear him speak, what are the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of, of Mark? You guys are followers of Jesus, right? <laughs> what are the first? What are the, the time has come. The time has come. Repent and believe. Repent and believe what? The kingdom of God is near. The word there is gospel, euangelio. Believe the good news. The gospel according to Jesus Christ isn't Jesus Christ. The gospel according to Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God is here. Paul, is, Paul unpacks it and all of the New Testament unpacks that Jesus is. That's another sermon. Let's don't get lost in that. I'm talking to myself right there. <laughs> so first words of Jesus the time has come. The time's now. Enter into the kingdom of God. What are the first words of Mo- Moses? We just read it. And we'll just read it again, right? He comes across, right after he murders somebody, buries him in the sand. Word has gotten out. And all the Jews are saying, I, th- I think this guy's a Jew, even though he's, he's working amongst the Egyptians. And he murdered this Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And so he comes across two Jewish men battling. 
And he, he, he points to the one that's in the wrong and says, why do you strike one another? That's just a quick word against friendly fire. That's a quick word, and I could do a whole other sermon on that. The words that come from God through this text to you right now, why do you pick on one another? Don't you realize this is the same team? This is what Mark uh, Mark Lackey was talking about. This is the church. Why would you point at someone in this room and think that they're the enemy? Why do you strike one another? Why do you fight against one another? Remember, there's one enemy. That's the evil one. That's the deceiver. There's one team that you're on. Team PCC. Maybe you should make up jerseys. Anybody make shirts? Klaus? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. You don't make up jerseys. <laughs> I went deep before I was supposed to. Anyway, we keep cruising. We're cruising across, and he says, why do you strike one another? Then we meet Moses, the outlaw. The outlaw. The Egyptians, the Pharaoh's like, I got to kill this man. I got to hunt him down. He's, he's 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 a spy amongst us. So Moses flees. Where does he flee? He flees to Midian. Midian. Where's Midian? Midian, I looked this up. The geographical location of this land is different. In different biblical references, does not seem entirely fixed. Perhaps because the Midianites were semi-nomadic. Moses' country of refuge would appear to be a semi-desert region bordering Egypt on the east to the west by northwest of present-day Elat. He flees to Midian, which is a moving target. These are semi-nomadic people, but we do know he's getting out of the big city and he's going into the desert. He's willfully running from being killed to exile. And the word there, when he sits down, is to dwell. He dwells, he lays roots in exile. And he draws water from the well, right? And then in comes shepherds, messing with and that guy has 20 names. I looked it up. I was like, why is why does, because uh, I know him as Jethro. Later on in Exodus, Zipporah's dad is Jethro. And here he's Raul. And then in Numbers and Judges, he's Hobab. And I'm like, why does this guy have three names? And there's nothing really significant about it. <laughs> I, you know, some people call me Jay. Some people call me Jay Dog. Mainly Moya. And then some people call him Jason, right? And then some people call him Jason Warren. He has all these different names. It's just something about him. He has, some people call him this, some people call him that. 
Who, may, who in here is called different things in, in different locations? Right? Okay. So that was a dead end as I started to research. Um, so we learn about Moses, the rooted one. He's settled in Midian. And then what's the last thing we learn about him? We learn that Moses is a dad. Moses is a father. He has a kid right at the end of our text. So now let's peel it back. We kind of cruise through the, the, the text and now peel it back. What do we learn about God? I think the first thing we learn about God is God uses willing, broken people even when they mess up. I just heard somebody say guilty. (laughs) Has anybody ever in here messed up? Yeah, today? Yeah, I did too. I don't know. I'm in that camp. <laughs> I messed up, and I, I went from an air-conditioned room to swimming in my living room. <laughs> and ultimately, I was angry. Your pastor gets angry just every once in a while. You should know that I mess up as well. The word from this text from God is I love making broken things straight. I love healing. I love using people who, wherever they're at, at the bottom of their barrel is actually the best. And I love shining brightly through the most broken and messed up materials. Moses gets out of the gate and he has some good intentions in that he wants to fight evil, but in no way does God want him to murder. But God uses him. And our word from God today, if we're doing theology, if we learn, if we want to look through this text at the God behind this text, which is, I think, our main desire, is God wants to use you and me in our brokenness. As I'm reflecting on all the things I've done to wrong him and to wrong his creation, in the midst of mourning the loss of those people on September 11, 2001, In the midst of complaining to him about the heat (laughs) and about serious stuff, about cancer, about pain, and then I think the other huge, and I think the rest of the text kind of screams this. God teaches in and through exile. God teaches in and through exile. 
How does the text say that? He goes out and he lays root outside the box. Then your next question is, why? Why does God love to teach through exile? Wouldn't it be way easier just to tell us this stuff? (laughs) Right? That's, that's, That's a lament all the way through the Bible. And the first answer is, he just does. He simply just does. C.S. Lewis says he whispers during the normal times. He breaks out his megaphone during the suffering. What are some lessons we learned over COVID? That was an exile, right? Do you remember I had to preach to stuffed animals up in my... (laughs) My mic. I mean, that was exile, right? And then I was out on that. I, man, I remember me? I was standing out on that roof. I was reflecting. What did we learn? We learned that huge lesson that Mark was just talking about. Is this building the church? No, but it sure helps, right? <laughs> it's a lot better with Cornell playing on that organ, right? But then out there. I've noticed something as you we were I, as I became your pastor I noticed the first thing that hit me was you guys sing hymns you don't really sing contemporary worship I think we learned how to sing contemporary worship while we learning that we are the church the people of Because Danny was our bread and butter. We were playing organ music and we were singing along with it. But Danny was out there with his band. Don't look now, but you guys are changing. What? (laughs) You were singing this morning. You picked some worship songs and everybody was singing. I I just wanted to pause and point. You've learned that. We've learned that. How do we see it in Moses? Moses ends up meeting Jethro. And I think there's a lesson in there. I think there's a reason why God teaches us so much in exile. He simply just does because suffering is like a magnet to learning. Suffering is like a conduit to changing our inner selves, like to changing the core of us. I think he also does it, and you show it in this text. He, He introduces us to new people, new eyes, new ways of thinking. Did anybody meet anyone else? Did anybody meet over COVID people? Yes? Who? <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone, you're going into COVID and now you're coming out of COVID, you know people because of COVID? Yes. Who are those people? Melissa, 
on a flock on Zoom. Yagerlanders. They came because they could eat breakfast and do our drive-in worship service and have their pet, right? You had a dog in there. That's awesome. We should start bringing pets in here. Just as long as they're trained, you know. Otherwise, people, no, everybody. So half the congregation was like, yeah. Half was like, no, no, no. We don't want pets in here. (laughs) That's really funny. Thank you, Ian. Uh, (laughs) He meets Jethro. Do you remember Exodus 18? I think there are two huge major lessons in um, Moses' life. One is the Exodus event, which we're going to be talking about in a second, uh, in a couple weeks, I think. And then the other one is Exodus 16 or 17? 18. Nailed it. Anyway, Exodus 18. He meets Jethro, and this is further down the road. This is after the Exodus event, and Moses is firing on all cylinders, and he's got this huge people group. They're out in the desert, but they're, they're thriving. They're, like, huge. There's a huge number, and he's doing all this work. He invites his father-in-law, Jethro, back, and he wants to brag to him. And he brings Jethro up, and he says, hey, take a look at what I'm doing. Take a look at look I'm doing. Um, and then you fast forward to Jethro speaking. He first takes it all in, and he says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases before God, teach them the statutes, instructions, and make them known. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. What does Jethro teach Moses? Delegate. That's one word, sums it right up. Delegate. I don't think without the exile, he wouldn't have this wisdom. And wisdom is wisdom is wisdom. That's another thing. God's truth comes from every angle. He uses all things that he's made, which is all things, right? Okay. How do you apply any of this? First, hear loud and clear, God wants to use you. No matter what was happening yesterday, no matter even what was happening this morning, he uses broken vessels, he uses messed up people like you and I to do amazing things. He has purpose, and he has things to teach us in this exile. Cling to those truths. As we were shaped out there, I heard a lot of people as we come back, we came back in and say, I heard a lot of people say, what did they say to me? I want it exactly like it was. Right? 
Everybody's looking at me. No, I didn't say that. You said that to me. I wanted exactly like it was. The, what's the problem with that? We're not the same. And if God wanted it exactly like it was, he wouldn't have brought us into exile. He had stuff to teach us. We need to carry those lessons back into this space because we are the people of God. We are to be open and mobile. And then further down the road in Exodus 18, we need to delegate and share with one another the workload. Otherwise, we'll burn each other out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, fill us with your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the church, the people, and thank you for the space. Thank you for the gift of music. Thank you for grandparents. Thank you for loving us as is, and please continue to use us. You're a good, good God. That's who we are. That's who you are. We are your people. That's who we are. And all God's people said. As we continue in worship, we give back just a portion of the bounteous gifts he's given to us. Uh, If you're at home listening on the podcast, thank you. Uh, Please send your tithes and your offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, or PCC, at P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And if you're here... You can leave them in the offering plates on the way back. This morning's tithes and offerings are now received. We lift our voices. We lift our hands. We lift our lives up to you. We are in offering. 
Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. They are yours. We are an offering. be seated. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. For many of us, this was the scripture that we stood on 21 years ago after 9-11. Will you please pray with me? Holy, merciful, and gracious God, today we pause and remember. It's been just over two decades since terrorists hijacked 
planes in four coordinated attacks. The World Trade Center in New York, the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and a plane downed by heroes in a remote field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So many years later, most of us have healed from this horrific attack. Lord, we pray for your continued healing and restoration on the families of the almost 3,000 souls that perished on 9-11 and the many, many first responders and volunteers that selflessly searched for survivors in the aftermath. May your grace overflow as a healing balm. Lord, we pray for Queen Elizabeth's family, the citizens of the United Kingdom, and the Commonwealth of Nations who are mourning the profound loss of their monarch. We are grateful for a life well lived in her more than 70 years serving you as sovereign. Queen Elizabeth was an example to the world in her dutiful approach to service of her people and to her God. Be with her family and all who mourn. Comfort them and bring them peace. We pray, too, for King Charles III. Anoint him, O Lord, and give him wisdom for what lies ahead. We continue to lift up and pray for the country of Ukraine and its citizens. We pray for your protection of the Ukrainian people and a swift end to this war. Protect and keep Ukrainian citizens safe, and keep safe the power plants from any failures. Lord, we pray for the country of Papua New Guinea in the aftermath of a massive 7.6 earthquake last night. We pray for your hand of protection, healing, and comfort for all those affected. We pray, too, for a swift response from the worldwide community to send aid. And Father, we celebrate with you Grandparents' Day and ask for your blessing on all who have earned the right to be called grandparents. May we honor our elder family members with gratitude, kindness, and prayer today and always. Merciful God, thank you for the rain from the past two days that have nourished our parched earth, cooled down the extraordinarily high heat, and tempered the many raging wildfires. We are truly grateful. Please be with all of the first responders still tackling the wildfires. And Lord, we continue praying with a spirit of gratitude for your faithfulness in walking our brother Dick Clark through his treatments to his current diagnosis of cancer-free. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And bless Dick in the freedom this diagnosis brings. We pray, too, for Charlotte DeMott and her upcoming surgery on Friday. We pray for your mighty hand of peace on Charlotte as she prepares. We pray for your wisdom for the doctors and nurses and a successful outcome with minimal or negligible side effects. Thank you in advance for your hand on Charlotte's life. Father, we lift up Pastor Jason, Pastor Sharon, 
and session as they seek your guidance for the direction and future of our congregation. Speak clearly and mightily, we pray. Bless us with your wisdom in the visioning process. And we continue worshiping you, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and let's join our voices together in our final hymn. beautiful. We were missing one of the slides, if you didn't notice. What song did you start singing? No, I'm just kidding. It reminded me, thank you for all your hard work in these hymn sings, Micah and Cornell. Round of applause for the, the worship team, and also Sharon and um, 
the Atkins family made the everything happen. It was beautiful. It was just yesterday was our second hymn sing, and um, I just wanted to. There was one more point that I I had written down, but I I guess God wanted me to say it now. Also, in exile, it heightens when we're back. It, like it heightens the promised land. Amen. Do you remember that first Sunday coming back in here? Everybody was probably 20% louder than they had ever been. We were just so filled and so grateful to, to God for bringing us back together. Um, so I think one more application is continue to be grateful and praising God for bringing us back together inside and worshiping. Um, don't forget the lessons but continue to be grateful to be back together. And also, text or call somebody that you met over COVID that the actual, the, the pain actually brought you closer. Uh, and that might not be a, per- a new person. It might have, you might have reconnected with some family members in some amazing ways, but just praise God for that and let them know that you love them. Uh, now receive this morning's benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so.